0: moving at a very fast pace and we're constantly, constantly being bombarded by technology and constantly being bombarded by all of these um, mm, uh, issues or triggers that can set us into a really deep, anxious state of being. Um, What do you feel like in your body when you're anxious? Tight. Flush. Flush? Yeah. Uh, heat. Okay, heat. Worked up. Yeah. Harder to breathe. Harder to breathe. Pit in your stomach. Pit in your stomach, right? And then you can't sleep or you don't get a lot of sleep. And it's a little bit overwhelming. And just like the front of your page says, um, you can really transcend a lot of limitations and actualize things uh, like setting intentions through a yoga nidra practice. Yoga nidra is a really, really interesting thing. Um, Some people define it, and I gave you the Sanskrit words and the definitions. Some people define yoga um, nidra as yoga sleep. Other people call it yoga dream. Other people see it as a a, a, a self-hypnosis practice, where it's very um, relaxing. to me, it's a threefold release of tension, namely in muscular tension, emotional tension, and mental tension. Right. So you all named all of these things that uh, nidra. Uh, what happens to you when you get worked up? Um, nidra can solve all of that stuff. Um, does anybody ever have yogi tea? Yeah. Right. Okay. So my yogi tea said to me this morning that in every moment. You should be what you ought to be. Do you feel that in every moment of your experiences here on earth, you are what you ought to be? Hmm. Yoga Nidra helps you to transcend limitations and get to that space. And I have said over and over again, if you've studied the sutras with me, Patanjali was like the first therapist... Yoga Nidra is like giving yourself therapy and a little bit of goal setting in the process. It's actually kind of neat. You can do all kinds of different quote-unquote yoga practices uh, to create balance and harmony in your life that aren't anything to do with physical movements, right? You can do meditation practices you can do uh get a Thai massage where someone's actually manipulating your body for you. Um and then you can do uh like a really really slow yin practice where you only maybe do five poses in like two two hours. Or you do a yoga nidra. Now I loved how you said you bought something from someone on a retreat. Um you can Download them from the internet. You can get yoga nidras from all kinds of different um, interesting places, because um, because it is uh, really simple, and a lot of people have um, jumped on the bandwagon and made uh, little tapes or cassettes or things that you can follow along to. I showed my age cassettes. <laughs> uh, I wasn't a cassette club growing up. Um, But yeah, like you can just download anything from the internet and they have them even on the new apps. Insight Timer has great ones, Uh, Headspace has great ones. There's all kinds of opportunities to find different ways that um, help you tap into a Yoga Nidra, which is a simple practice with profound results. I'm going to talk to you about how, before we dive into actually doing a physical practice, I'm going to talk to you all about like what your brain is like on the yoga nidra and what's happening in your um, life force energy and your prana. Because I think, to me, that's really cool scientifically why so many people are now turning to yoga practices and relaxation practices. Because we all need to calm ourselves down because the world's moving so fast. We need to find ways to release tension so that we can be our best self. Right? Uh. And, um, after we kind of talk about, um, uh, before we talk about our brain on yoga nidra, I kind of want to talk about the benefits. So I, on the front of your page where it has, uh, the Sanskrit and the definition of the Sanskrit of yoga nidra, then it kind of talks about, um, uh, some of the benefits. Um, a lot of people think, and it's kind of a joke where you call it a do nothing pose, But doing nothing is the hardest thing. Have you ever noticed that? Mm -hmm. At the end of class, when you teach a a vinyasa or a, a gentle restorative class or any hatha yoga practice, at the end of class, people love to race out of shavasana. Right? Because you have to really, like, sit with your shit. You've kind of stewed your body. You've, like, morphed it. It's like making dough for pizza, right? You have to, like, kind of nudge it and mush it and get it to, like, kind of move around and in your body, and you've got, created some heat. But now what you need to do is let your nervous system calm down and relax, and gain the benefits. But everybody runs away from Shavasana. This is like a full-on class of Shavasana, Yoga Nidra. It's a combination of alert awareness and um, profound relaxation. It's um, really soothing, and it's non-movement. And that's why it's called sleep. But you don't have to, I love how some of you checked in and what you thought the yoga um, nidra was all about. You don't have to control anything, you just want to watch your breath. And that's a really huge thing, too, because we do, as we're in this age of technology, We are in very um, a lot of ways, some of our tension and our muscle tension and our tension that we're holding is because we're trying to find something to control, right? But this is all about resting in digesting the breath so it nurtures your body versus trying to force something to happen. You might have one yoga nidra where it's like, oh my God, I saw like my guides and they were like telling me all this amazing stuff and then like the next one could be like I fell asleep and I was snoring in class and the teacher had to hit my foot because I was the loudest one in there right and it'll happen and that's what your body needs but you're creating space between your ears so you have the blue sky mind in your heart so it can work properly and you're giving your autonomic nervous system and this is what I really want to talk to you about time to start to actually properly function through a yoga nidra. Um, so you're, um, It's an easy practice, but it's actually challenging to get people to like be passionate about it because people don't want to admit that they need to relax. It's not the nature of a 247 world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're tapping into our unconscious mind, and because you're not controlling anything, you. There's no way you can do a yoga nidra wrong. Just don't do it when you're driving your car or something like that. (laughs) Um, It's among the deepest possible states of relaxation while still maintaining full consciousness. And what's really interesting about it to me is, you see that word there, prajna? It allows you to tap into, and we're going to talk about this when I kind of go through the yoga philosophy of it, it allows you to tap into your highest and pure form of wisdom, intelligence, and understanding. Our brain is really, 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 really smart. And we haven't even like dipped our toe into our intelligence. But the cool thing about our breath, scientifically, if we can get a system called the RAS to start to activate and get your autonomic nervous system to work better, you actually become smarter by doing yoga sleep yoga nidra you actually become smarter when you learn how to use the breath that conscious active diaphragmatic breath as a tool it's really amazing so prajna is a really beautiful word that is used a lot in like kundalini practices or more um, esoteric practices or deeper um, philosophy of yoga and um It will reduce stress and create profound joy and connections within and without. What I love about the benefits is that as it's building um, happiness skills, optimism can be learned, right? We're conditioning ourselves to find optimism, positivity. It's accessible. Anybody can do it. Do you have those friends who are always saying, like, I don't want to do yoga because I don't want to put on those yoga pants. Or, like, I can't touch my toes, so, like, why should I go do yoga? Because how is it going to help me? I'm already tight, right? We're trying to kind of break those boundaries and make everything go... So yoga nidra is mind-expanding. And then maybe after they do the yoga nidra and they find relaxation, they'll be able to take it to the next level and maybe come to the mat to do a pose, or maybe never. Maybe they're going to do chair yoga or whatever kind of passion that you can do that you like. Because anything that you do mindfully truly is yoga. Anything that you're creating harmony and ease in your experience in this earth. Um, when you're in yoga nidra, you're fully attentive, which in turn helps you to improve your listening skills when you're not practicing a yoga nidra. Um, it allows uh, your body and mind to relax because of all that emotional, mental, and muscular tension that we carry around so that you can sleep better, right? So that you don't ruminate on your thoughts, but you can like, just kind of relax. And yoga nidra, one of them that you taught could be a visualization where you're taking them through a story, but another one could be totally breath-based where you're teaching them relaxation breath ratios. right? There's all kinds of different ways to spin it, and that's why we're going to talk about how to create them today. Um, it conditions your body to breathe deeper, which cultivates calm, lowers your stress levels, and then your blood is more oxygenated, which is huge. Because if we're not taking those deep, conscious, active breaths, our body gets acidic. And if your body gets acidic, you start to create inflammation, right? Yeah, That's and yeah, and it's a huge word these days, right? Yeah. And then this self awareness to be able to regulate emotions in challenging situations. I love like when you talk to kids about like that idea of um, to respond wisely to situations versus just blah, reacting, flipping your lid, and like losing it. kind of neat that all comes just like it does on the mat moving your body is a little bit of a faster way to get into that space because it affects your central nervous system faster so like a yoga physical practice will get all these benefits but a yoga nidra or meditation practice or this beautiful dream state this sleep state that you create you can get to the same benefits of a physical practice Just have to, it takes a little bit to amp down. Kudio. Alright. So as we start learning more and more about this power nap to empower yourself from within, um does anybody ever hear of the word sankulpa? Mm, this is a beautiful yoga word. It's used a lot in mindfulness communities. Sankalpa is a Sanskrit word, S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A, and it means an intention formed by the heart and mind, or a solemn vow, vow, a determination or will. Sankalpa is a tool meant to harness our intentions and to focus and harmonize our body and our mind. Whoa. Does anybody know a goal coach or a life coach? They help you with your sankalpa. But mindfulness practices, meditation, um, working with a guru, um, doing all of this stuff that we do, uh, that we're learning in yoga teacher training, that's all part of how we help people find their sankalpa, find their true essence, their true nature, Their authenticity, you know, all those very um, poignant words that we are always trying to seek and become. But when you have a sankalpa, um, and it allows you to really focus on your life force. Because if you're all wound up, what's the first thing that happens? Right? We hold our breath. We get really scared. And then our... What's our life force in Sanskrit? Prana. And then our prana doesn't function properly. And when our prana doesn't function properly and we start to get acidic and we are so wound up, then all of a sudden we're not really tapping into you. You're tapping into your shoulda, could and your expectations. Or just like, oh, I just have to get to the next place so I can get through my day. That's not what we want to do. We wanna stay calm and connected. And in yoga philosophy, when we bring our five prana values together to operate simultaneously, we're bridging the conscious and unconscious aspects of ourself. What is it on the eight limb practice that allows us to blend those two together? We have yama and niyama, right? The do's and the don'ts, kind of the guidelines. And then we have asana, the physical practice. And then we have pranayama. Right? And then we have pratyahara, which is like sense withdrawal. And then we have dhyana. So when we get to this space of the sixth sense, we start to have a mastery over our inner nature. Right? Do you guys feel like you came in this room and you might have... Did you have tech before or something? No? No? So you were running around today and then all of a sudden you're here. How many of you are yawning, right? So you're pouring yourself the oxygen cocktail, the elixir of life. All of a sudden your body can kind of like rest in itself because you haven't given yourself a chance to do that all day long. And that's what a yoga nidra allows you to do. It's that guided visualization practice that allows you to tune back into the things that we lose when we're running here to and fro. Um, And in turn, this is teaching us resiliency. So if we can condition ourselves to have this experience more on a day-to-day, like a habitual practice, any kind of yoga, where we can find that balance, then when we do find a really challenging situation in life. So um, that um, breathing practice and getting calm in our um, yoga nidra helps us to influence our physiological and psychic bodies. That's when it kind of gets a little bit deep, because when we're harmonizing the physiological body, it leads to awakening of a deeper sense of prana in the chakras and the psychic body. So as yogis, we talk about chakras. A lot of people wear like colored t-shirts and stuff like that. But there is a method to the madness. There is like a reason that we talk about energy so much is because we have all these polarities around us, pushing and pulling. And um, we talk about a lot of times, um, have you heard of um, koshas? Koshas. Koshas are like layers or walls. So we have different layers that are around us. We have our physical body that goes all the way down to our bliss body. And a lot of times, you know how when like on Seinfeld, showing my age again, put it like they had the close talker. Because they were like in your face, right? Uh, they're like in your space. You can feel. We have these energetic polarities or chakras or nadis flowing rivers of energy often don't work properly, but in order to really get to the heart of the matter or the heart of the artichoke, right, you have to peel away those hard walls that we build up. So if we build up all these hard walls in our lives or we have put limitations upon ourselves mentally, we have to find a way to flip the switch. So this self-hypnosis, this dream state, this awakened dream state of Um, Yoga Nidra, because it's using the breath to realign your chakras, allows you to tap deeper into your psychic body, to let go of the um, stuff that no longer serves you anymore. Have you ever heard of the saying, inhale the good shit and exhale the bullshit? Right? (laughs) So, like, you know, we say, like, inhale and smell the flowers and exhale, and blow away the clouds. But that, what you're doing is you're using the breath to ground down and let go of things that energetically we're holding on to. Because yoga is a science, right? It's a science and an art of the body-mind connection. Einstein was a buddy of yoga. So E equals MC squared, and all of those things that Einstein's principles were based upon, are very tuned to Eastern philosophy. Our cells hold energy, and if those flowing rivers don't work properly, our chakras don't work properly. If our chakras don't work properly, we can't be a conduit and and be tapped into something greater than just ourselves. We can't be our authentic selves because we're not allowing ourselves to truly listen to all the greatness within. So a yoga nidra practice helps people slow down, release tension, um, calm their heart rate, um, calm their breathing so they can take deeper conscious active breaths, and then in turn, they can start to empower themselves from within instead of seeking, right? And if people are suffering or struggling, there's a great word in... um, uh, The idea of um, aparigraha. Have you ever heard of aparigraha? It's one of the yamas and niyamas. It's about like non hoarding or non stealing or like not coveting things. Our hands, our feet, and our mind are very similar. Why is that? What's my hand doing? I'm holding on to things, right? But my hand can let go. My feet, if they're gripping onto something, it can let go. What does your mind do? Right? It's like, oh God, that person's going to burn the shit out of me for the rest of the... Yeah, right? And you just can't let it go. But when you are doing that energetically, then those cells are holding onto things. And what we're trying to do is to create an idea of awakening our self realization awakening the kundalini, awakening the lines of communication within our body so we can tap into a higher sense of intelligence instead of this small, tiny little part that we're kind of tapping into. (laughs) Bless you. So the RAS is a part of your brain, and it's the reticular activating system. Okay? Does anybody like brain science? Like total brain geeks? Those of you who were in a tech with me last week um, already heard this, but I'm going to say it again. Because we're opening up energetically as yogis, we talk about the lines of communication. If you like, saw your body now in science, we call it the nervous system. Now science is catching up with dot, um, what yogis had known over thousands of years ago about these 72,000-plus meridian lines of energy in our system, um, which some people called sen lines. You know, some people call reflexology points Um, uh, and uh, yogis call them the nadis, the flowing rivers of energy. But modern science is stating that there are 10 areas of the brain in which we are only using one area at 10% of our present stage of evolution. To use the other 90% involves a distribution of prana, and we know is our life force, to awaken these areas. The subconscious mind and its relationship to the conscious mind are dealt with in pranayama. The establishment of an interface between the conscious and subconscious minds in the area of the brain called the reticular activating system. When the RAS triggers other parts of your body, humans are able to affect um, the RAS only with the breath. So if we can have power, pranayama, over the breath, We can literally control our nervous system and control um, uh, the brain through the RAS by means of conscious breathing to help with other functions of the body. For example, heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, excretion, absorption. So you're literally using the breath as a scientist to heal yourself. And then in turn, there's all these other cool things that start to happen. Um, You're kind of getting into your autonomic nervous system because you're balancing the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So your parasympathetic is the um, part of your body that has the vagus nerve that allows you to rest and digest, right? Parasympathetic lets you calm down and um, restore yourself. Um, And that's like your exhale and then your sympathetic nervous system is that fight-or-flight where the cortisol comes into play Parasympathetic has the happy hormone which kind of gives you like the ooh I just had a glass of wine, but the sympathetic kind of gets you into that fight-or-flight your animal brain where it keeps you More alert and attentive, but when we're stressed out, that's what is going through our body So when we allow ourselves to move into these beta and alpha states, you're allowing yourself to get into the fourth state of consciousness that you get into from Yoga Nidra. And there's all this like science behind it that allows you to have a glimpse of something deeper than what your mind is constantly wrapped around in your day-to-day. You're tapping into your body through this know-nothing process to um, go in from the alpha, beta, um, theta to delta waves where your thoughts are a little bit slower and restorative. Your organs regenerate and the stress hormone cortisol is removed from your system. (laughs) Self-healing through breath. So simple but so, so profound. Um, From delta, the guided yoga nidra experience takes you down an even deeper brainwave state, one that can't be reached through conventional sleep. And in this fourth state of consciousness below delta, your brain is thoughtless. This state is sort of like a complete loss of consciousness, but you are awake. It's deep surrender, where your consciousness is so far away from a physical body that living here every day would be difficult. Not everyone who practices yoga nidra touches this state, right? And this is important. So as you keep getting glimpses of it, you'll start being able to attain it easier. It's kind of like meditation. Does anybody meditate? Do you have people who, have you ever heard of anybody getting addicted to meditation? They find that state and then they like are craving it and then they're seeking it and then they're not meditating anymore. Their ego and their psyche have like kind of taken over. So it just is something that is a state that if it comes, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. Something's still happening because you're diving deeper into these brain waves to get yourself to create calm and ease and rejuvenate your cells. Um, so I just wanted to read the basic states so that you kind of knew scientifically the different states. The basic states, um, stages that you go through in nidra are relaxation where you're absolutely still and you're allowing like tension and your whole body to kind of like go away from you. And then you have this resolve um, where you make like almost like a sankalpa, Right a resolution, a wish, an intention. Yay. And then you start to kind of create this systematic rotation of consciousness where the instructor, which will be you, guides you to various parts of the body so that they can visualize it and you can keep cueing them if their mind goes off on tangents back to that spot. And then you have breath awareness, which just as we all know is a really subtle practice and can take many twists and turns as when you're teaching. There's so many different ways to teach the awareness of the breath. It can be done at any stage, but you wanna make sure that this is used as a tool to keep calming the mind and relieving tension from the body. And then you have that visualization state where you're unlocking maybe um, latent memories or emotions or impressions and releasing them from your cells. A lot of stuff happens in an hour or however long a yoga nidra happens. And then there's a hypnagogic state, where this state where you are neither awake nor asleep. It shows your mind... Um, has maximum receptivity at this point, and it allow you to tap into that affirmation, that intention, your sankalpa. So that this power nap that you're taking can allow you to be more comfortable within, right? Because that's what we're really trying to do. It's like to be more authentic and really be able to sit within ourself and be more um, present and honest instead of kind of like keeping those walls of judgment up. Mm-hmm. And this stage of the hypnagogic stage, it produces profound effects that it can help you grow towards your goal. Uh, whatever your sankalpa is, your intention for that uh, yoga nidra. And then your resolve is where it's repeated again, where you're um, creating a connection between the conscious and the subconscious. So you're kind of bouncing into this state um, where you're present to both the conscious and subconscious mind so that you can actually make the changes, the positive changes that you want to through it. And then at the end, you kind of rein in that energy that's not scattered. You've been very focused in your yoga nidra, but you're kind of reining it in so that you can regain um, awareness to the external environment and then you guide your student up. It's very exciting. Um what I think is kind of cool about a yoga nidra is that you have a pineal gland That is right between, you know, we talk about our third eye. Yes? Right? So that anja chakra is like in between the eyebrows. And that is your pineal gland. Um, And this gland is stimulated when you bring your attention there. And that um, studies have confirmed that the pineal gland hormone melatonin is a powerful agent for reducing stress. I know my niece takes the melatonin before going to bed. You know, she takes a little pill. Whether it's a placebo or not, she used to sleep horribly, and it actually helps her go to bed. And um, this is a powerful agent, melatonin, to reduce stress. And so then you're more restful, and then it boosts your immune system, which helps prevent illness and promotes healing. And for us that are middle age, it helps with um, slowing premature aging. Because a lot of people, um, just because they get so stressed out, they age faster. Last week, my 92-year-old uncle walked a 66-year-old man across the street. And the 66-year-old man said to him, you know, I'm 66. And my uncle just laughed. My uncle's standing straight up. And this man was like just doing a hard time walking across the slippery street and was not in the best state of health. Yeah. So, Positivity, breath work, yoga nidra, your energetic practices, they all help you to find this amazing state of ease and slow down the aging process. As we do a yoga nidra, we're focusing on our sankalpa, which is our Intention, awesome. And um, that'll uh, really be a great tool to help you harness your will, and it'll give you a focus as a teacher on how to create this. So um, I gave you on the other side of the handout is an 11-step process on how to um, kind of uh, create a yoga nidra so that you can write one yourself. And today, I'm going to read a yoga nidra to you. We'll do an entry, a sankalpa, a body scan, and then a little breath practice, and then wake up. Are you bored? No. No. What's the coolest thing so far about um, the idea of yoga nidra from what your perception of, of it was before you walked into class? Powerful, yeah. You can literally heal yourself. Mm-hmm. You can get all the benefits of the physical practice through your own healing. Right. That when you really tap in and harness the prana, that life force helps you to tap into healing energetically. That's awesome. Yeah, healing yourself. I have a daughter who has seizures. hmm right and there's a lot of um, uh, uh, doctors and the western doctors who are now turning to eastern philosophical and um, energetic practices to use in combination with what they learn in school Well, yeah when you mentioned the vagus nerve and mm-hmm. stuff, I'm like oh well, one of the ends. yeah oh yeah for, for kids was- yeah for kids if kids or an adult is freaking out to place an ice cube behind the um, nape of the neck a little bit towards the left side, it, it uh, triggers the vagus nerve to go into a relaxation response. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, uh, Tony Robbins jumps into a cold bath in the morning or, like, in Eastern cultures uh, or, like, has anybody ever been to uh, Russia or, like, Prague, right? And they have those beautiful bathhouses and they have the hot and the cold pools and stuff like that. I mean, you know, all this stuff that's like, very ancient traditions. There was a mm, purpose for everything. Yeah, Um, tapping practices. There's so many amazing things that are coming out now to learn how to calm the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. So we're going to practice our own little yoga nidra. Um, But uh, does anybody um, else have any um, epiphanies about this idea of uh, yoga nidra, this yoga sleep, this dream state? No? Well, I just think it's interesting about, you know, we use 10% of our brain's capability. Mm -hmm. And and I know this is really stupid, but when I was little, I remember going to the space place in Florida. Uh And I wrote in my journal how we don't use our brain. You know, Uh our brain is so much more capable than we ever can imagine. Mm -hmm. So I just think that that's really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. I read somewhere about some I don't know, some famous writer or philosopher or something who, when he would sit, it kind of to take a nap, he would hold a handful of marbles or something, so the minute he was about to fall asleep. Oh, Thomas home. Edison and Einstein yes, and uh, Frank Lloyd, Lloyd Wright, Wright does that. That yeah. was when they, yep, were the most creative. Or yeah, and... and then they would never sleep. Every four hours <laughs> they would take a power nap, and they would hold those in their hands. Just use that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so they were always kind of in this, like, weird state. I just have a couple questions yeah. about the teaching. So I know there's been a lot of, like, 30 minutes um, mm-hmm. But an hour, like, What would be, like, the range to get the most benefit, like, time-wise? Would I say so energetically I that, for Shavasana, you should stay in Shavasana for over 10 minutes? Yeah, so it's more than No, I mean, I would say, like, if you only have five minutes, then do a five-minute body scan. Um, You could make yoga nidra just anything you want. It's the American way. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to limit you because I think that you should make it what you feel like. But a lot of things on the Internet, they're like a half hour to an hour to... Um, You know, you could do like a two-hour practice. Um, I think that um, the longer you can be in it without, um, you know, pushing it to its limit and and actually going into a state of harming, the longest you can be in it would be better than just doing a really short one. But say you're in a school district and you're in a school room and you can only do it in the homeroom, then I would do some kind of 10-minute body scan. You know? I mean, and you're a body worker, right? So, like, um, how long does it take for your clients to relax? Well, when I'm doing it, not very long. Well, that's good, right? Because you're the healing touch. But, you know, like, how long does it take for people to relax? Well, it depends on your state, but right? five minutes at least. There you go. I guess that's sort of a similar question. like I yeah. think was here, if you said it, like, like, your brain goes into, like, different waves, like the alpha, theta, theta, yeah not, like, do you, is there a certain amount of time, like, you have to at least be doing this for five minutes in order to enter the theta wave, or... Um, or Ooh, you're asking, like, really cool science questions. Um, that would be something to ask. Um, has anybody ever heard of Dr. Richie Davidson? So he's uh, a famous yogi... Uh, um, He's a famous doctor who is sponsored by Bill Gates. He works in Madison, Wisconsin, and he's doing all this brain research on yogi- on monks who meditate, and he's scanning their brain waves in MRIs. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. He's coming up with a book on a... He's just came out with a book right now with someone... I don't know what the title is, so I apologize, but it's Diving Deeper into the Mindfulness World, so that would be something interesting to look into. I do not know. I just know the science behind it and the evolution of it. Um, what's so important now is that if one out of five kids is stressed in school, stress has risen over 10% in the last five years in our culture, and everybody's walking around either like on their touch screens or um, highly medicated or self-medicating. We are dealing with a lot of people who are running around, um, and we are animals. But we're now running around with a lot of fear. And it's palatable, right? Like you can sense it. That any kind of relaxation, whether it's five minutes, half hour, or, you know, like a longer amount of time, any kind of relaxation mindfulness practices that incorporate breath work that can get people to um, exhale the BS, then it's all good. Because we have to find a way. To not let the stressors of the day change our body composition. And that's what's actually happening. Because the, the serotonin, um, uh, the happy hormone, isn't being able to work as much because the cortisol, you know, you see these charts and you can see some people wake up when their alarm goes off and they just go right into a state of cortisol production versus kind of waking up slowly. You know you're supposed to wake up at like five forty five as a yogi in twilight hours. That's the most sacred time to practice. And then you like have your glass of hot water, and then you take a really nice big poop after doing Naoli, Naoli kriya, and then you have a really healthy breakfast. And it's only like what a little bit before seven, and you've had time to kind of tune in so that you can move your day in a positive way versus like going woo and look at the blue light read your news, go, oh shit, I have this meeting because something popped up, and then you're like peeing on the toilet and brushing your teeth at the same time. (laughs) I don't know. I can give you all kinds of don'ts, right? That's what happens. So, I don't know. We're learning today about setting intentions or goals, right? Your sankalpa, and using that goal to weave and create a story to teach others how to calm down. But... I'll go like this. What's the real reason you came to the yoga mat? Right? So who are you really teaching? Right. So we're all about like, self-care, but as yoga teachers, we have to remember that, that we take the self away, and it's just care for everybody. So what you're teaching everybody else, you're actually teaching yourself. So hopefully you're practicing what you preach as we go through this process. 'Cause you all are beautiful, bright lights and you came to the yoga mat to become teachers, but you came to the yoga mat because you found some nugget of something something. You just didn't say I wanted to pay a crap ton of money to like sit and listen to Jessica and other people talk. You know. You came here because you see the value of it and it's helped you. So always remember to test your Yoga Nidras out as you create and make these stories um, to help others. Um, There's lots of resources that you can get, Um, there's lots of uh, um, books you can get, but um, because your voice is the most powerful tool in a yoga nidra, you're not adjusting your students, right? You're just letting them relax and hang out. Um, Who can do a yoga nidra? Anybody. Anybody, right? So it's totally accessible. We're calm and connected, but we lose that somehow. And our ultimate goal is to get back to that state. And yoga nidra is an awesome way to get there. So what I thought is I could do a really simple uh, yoga nidra, and then um, we'll be off and enjoy our day. What was the name of that physician? Or, yeah, the physician, the scientist, I mean. Richie Davidson. Yeah, but there's tons of good stuff going on right now. Um, look at the work of John Cabot Zinn, or um, look at the work of some of the people who are, um, you know, in the meditation world. Body brain connection is pretty amazing. And uh, science is really helping to put these practices into the forefront. It's kind of cool.